Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Praise God. All right, let's uh, get into the word. Are we all settled in? Let's get into the word. All right. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Let's get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray this evening that you would stir our hearts. The direction of your purpose, your calling for our lives. And that in the name of Jesus, you would grant us light and understanding. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Alright, for those of you who are on our mailing list, I sent out a broadcast regarding this evening's uh, Bible study. I actually wanted to um, start teaching on... Um, the parable of the sower, I looked after it. We're going to start out on Sunday. But uh, over the week, I had a meeting in the capital of Delta State, Asaba. And uh, we had a very good meeting. It was, it, was a, it was a blessed meeting. Good teaching session. Good church. And, um, and on my, but on my way coming, I felt the Spirit of God ask me a question. Are you living up to the fullness of your potential. Are you, it's almost like saying, is this the best you can be for me? And the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6 came to my mind. And, uh, I, and I want to share that thought with you and ask you the same question. Are you living up to the fullness of your potential? Are you, are you living to the extent that you have capacity. And it's very important that once in a while we hit the first button in our lives and consider certain things, reconsider certain things, reevaluate certain things, and build our lives based on what God wants us to do. So we're going to read the story and then I'll share a few thoughts with you. Judges chapter 6, and we're going to read from verse 1, and we're going to stop at verse 16. Then the son of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. The power of Midian prevailed against Israel because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves the dens which were in the mountains, the caves and the strongholds. Very interesting that they were living in this situation where they began to live in caves. They left the city, began to live in caves and holes and, 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 and strongholds. For it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons of the east and go against them. So they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel, as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. And it was a very terrible situation because the children of Israel would sow, and then the Midianites would come up and 
confiscate and take that which the children of Israel had sown. Verse 6. Verse 5. For they will come up with their livestock and their tent. They will come in like the locust for number. But they and their camels were innumerable and they came into the land to devastate it. So Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. And so this was a terrible situation. The Bible says they were brought low because of the Midianites. Verse 7. Now it came about when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord on account of Midian. That the Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel and he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. It was I who brought you up from Egypt and brought you out from the house of slavery. I delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians and from the hands of all your oppressors and dispossessed them before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not obeyed me. And so the children of Israel cried out to the Lord for deliverance. But then the response, the prophetic response that God gives to them is to remind them of where he was bringing them from. And say, well, I did this for you. I did this for you. But you do not obey my commands. And it is very important for us to understand that many of us who have access to this message and listen to the sound of my voice either through the television or radio or seated here this evening, if we would look back at our lives, we can see the strong hand of God and the places and the areas in our lives where the, the hand of the Lord has delivered us. And the challenge is this, that most times, uh, it, it, it's unfortunate, but when we look at our own lives, we will always find out that uh, it's almost like humans have a very short memory span. And that no matter how overwhelming good you are to someone, in, in a matter of months, in a matter of a year, They've forgotten all of those goodness. And, and sometimes when we deal with individuals and we interact with individuals, we always feel that hurt and that pain in our heart that, well, I was good to this person and I was nice to this person. I did this for this person and the person has forgotten. But when we take that picture and put it in the framework of what we're studying this evening, we understand that that's the same way God feels. That he gives them an instruction and says, listen, I don't want you to intermingle. I don't want you to interact with the gods of the land. I don't want you to interact with the prevailing influences in the land. But the children of Israel did not listen to God. And we find it this day that it's the same thing, that the borderline between the Christian faith and carnality is almost not there anymore. It's almost non-existent. And that is, that is I mean... And it's worrisome and it's troublesome for us because we find out that we, we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. We became believers and God is pouring out His goodness upon us. But there are certain instructions that God gives to us that it's almost like, yeah, I don't care what God thinks about this. And when we start going against the word of God in our lives and things start happening in the negative, you know what our response is? We start crying out to God. But let's go down. Verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, as his son Gideon was bidding out wheat in the winepress, in order to save it from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. 
The King James Version says, The Lord is with thee, O valiant man. Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our father told us about? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Next verse. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? It's amazing how the Lord speaks. The Lord looks unto Gideon and says, Thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, If God be with us, where are all the miracles that our father told us about? And why are we under the oppression of Midian? And it's interesting, and I like this, because Gideon talks about the miracles that their father had told them about. And that that, that better the hunger in him. And it's the same thing. You know, when we look at church history and we look at the, the things that have happened in the, in the body of Christ and churches and what God has done with people in the nations of the earth, we realize that there is a place that God really wants every one of us to function in. And when God began to ask me that question, it's not a question of failure as much as as much as it is a question of a challenge that God wants each and every one of us to rise up to the fullness of our potential in God. And so he says, the Lord looked at him and said, go in this your strength. But remember, he was hiding from the Midianites. Verse 15, then he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's house. But the Lord said to him, Surely I'll be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianite. Or defeat Midian as one man. One of the words that we find very common in the 16 verses that we just read is, The Lord is with. The Lord is with. The Lord is with. And that whatever we give us assurance in this life to rise to the fullness of our potential is the fact that God is with us. And because God is with us, we can do valiant things. We can do mighty things. We're not just settling for the mediocre, mundane, carnal, just go to church on a Sunday life. That is more to God that God wants to do in our lives. You know, and it's... Talking to a couple of people the other day and I was saying, listen, I mean, we bless God for how God has led us and the things that God has accomplished for us. What God has used us to do in the last couple of years, even in your own life. But there's more that we can do for God. There's more we can do for the kingdom. There's so much more. So much more. So much more that the Lord wants to use us to do. And, and, and I look at the word potential. It says, having or showing the capacity to develop into something in the future. So potential is something that has the capacity to develop into something in the future. Latent qualities or abilities that are yet to be developed. Latent 
qualities and abilities that are yet to be developed. The Merriam-Webster dictionary said something that is existing in possibility. Something that has the capacity to be developed into actuality. It means that it is right there, but it has not been developed. It has not been stretched. Something that has the capacity to be developed. Something that exists in latent power. It's right there in your spirit, but you haven't risen up to that dimension. And I want to tell you this evening very soberly that many people leave and die, get into the grave without living to the fullness of the purposes of God for their lives. They don't live up to that extent, to that capacity. Especially when we have a little bit of success, a little bit of, you know, like Gideon was. There was famine in the land and, and hunger in the land. And, 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 uh, and, and then he had food just for his family. And the most of us can settle for that. And we're just okay. It's just, it's just okay. I'm, I've got a job. I've got a family. And, and that's fine. But there, there has to be more. There has to be something more. There has to be a stronger purpose that pulls us into the possibilities that are in God. That's what happened to Gideon. And by the instruction of the Spirit and by the word of the Lord that came to Gideon, Gideon rose from just providing to his fa- for his family. He became a national deliverer. He became someone who rescued the whole of Israel from the hands of the Midianites. And that was the same thing that happened to, to David. That when David was called right from the backside of the desert, and God began to use him to lead Israel again out of the hands of the Philistines and out of the hands of Goliath, and he became a king. So the challenge for us tonight is that there is more in our lives. Regarding the purposes and the assignment of God. Regarding things we should do in the kingdom. We cannot just leave for ourselves. Like Gideon, we cannot just stretch floor for ourselves. We cannot just leave just for providing for ourselves. There are greater purposes in God. There are things God wants us to stretch to. There are things God wants us to handle. There are possibilities in the spirit that God wants us to stretch to. And that's the challenge I'm putting to every one of us tonight. To rise up to the fullness of the calling of God in our lives. A couple of points here. Number one, there is the reality of a fallen world because of sin. We, we see the struggle that children of Israel had with Midian. The economy was low. Whether we like it or not, because of the effects of sin in this world, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. There are challenges. We live in a world where truth... You know... <laughs> you know, I was talking to someone the other day, and I told them, like, I don't know how many of you have observed, but we almost live in a society where there's no lie anymore. Like, like when somebody lies, they don't even feel bad about it. 
Right? Like, it's just okay to, to just lie. It's almost like we don't have truth and lies anymore. It's just okay. Right? And I'm not talking about big lies, right? Lies should be lies. It shouldn't be big and small lies. But it's as simple as you need to meet someone, for instance, at the LNG roundabout. Right? You told the person 9 o'clock. And the person calls you. You forgot. You are just standing from your bed. What do you say? Come on. The way you laugh, I know what you say. What do you say? Right? Some of you will say, I'm at, I'm, I'm almost, almost there. You will, you will give location. I'm by Webros. Hold on. Is that a lie or not? Don't deaden your conscience to accept sin. It, and you, know, you, you, know, you know, even my saying it, it looks like I'm overstressing it. Uh, there's nothing. But it's like that. That's why we can't keep our words to people. So, we, we live in a reality of a fallen world. And that fallen world wants to keep us... In a state of mediocrity, where lies is acceptable, corruption is acceptable, evil things is acceptable, and if we're not careful, it will, it will hinder our potential, because we will not place standards on ourselves. And I'll tell you this, the world has absolutely no standards. We live in a world that can celebrate you today, kill you tomorrow, do whatever they need to do to you just to get ahead. Number two, there are harsh economic realities. Whether we like it or not, the economic realities are harsh. There might be hunger in our nation. Things are tough. A few days ago, they said the oil price crashed down to $30 per barrel. And I know some people are already in a panic mood. But for the household of faith, everything will be all right. The harsh economic realities, and we find that Gideon lived in that harsh economic reality. Sometimes the money you have to take home is not enough. Number three, but Gideon had to break from self-sustenance. And that's why I talk about rising to the fullness of your potential, because we're not talking about rising to the fullness of your potential when everything is alright. Everything was not alright with Gideon when God challenged him that he was a mighty man. So the salaries might not add up. The things around your life might not add up. But there's potential on your inside. There's potential on your inside. There's potential on your inside. Things might not add up. But deep down on your inside. There is an assignment that God is calling you to. That you need to respond to. Economic realities might be harsh. We might live in a fallen world. But you need to... Put standards in your life that will help you to raise your level from this dimension of just you, yourself, and your family. Because there are deeper issues God wants you to get involved in. And if you keep your eyes on yourself alone, you'll never be able to rise up to the assignment that God is calling you to. Nobody who's focused on himself has been able to fulfill whatever God told them to do.
So when we talk about the question of, of are you living the fullness of your potential, we're simply asking you, are you living beyond yourself? Or are you just living for yourself? The harsh economic reality is not withstanding. The, 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 the um, bad economy in the nation notwithstanding. In the midst of this, God is challenging us. Because if, 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 if we cannot live to the fullness of our potential in the midst of a tough, challenging economy, then there's no difference between us and everyone else. Number four, embrace the strength that is in your spirit. You have spiritual potential. There's strength in your spirit. There's strength in your spirit. To break barriers. You know what the easy way out is? The easy way out for you, for some of us, if the money is here, just go out of the country. That's one of the easy way out. But I want to challenge you tonight that in the midst of everything we see, there are people that God is going to trust to break things, to break barriers. I believe that God's got a purpose for this nation. I believe that God has got a purpose for this community. I believe absolutely with every fiber of my body that God did not create us in this nation to just leave us the way we are. That believers need to rise up to the fullness of their potentials. Regardless of what is going on. And before we even talk about the whole nation, we need to look at the island. And know that of a surety the Lord planted us here for an assignment. And that sense of assignment should override our personal comfort. Number five. Collaborate with God to do exploits. Collaborate with God. I mean, this is just a prophetic message that God has put in my heart, so there's no teaching and many scriptures to it, but I just, these are things that God just put in my spirit. That yes, we can do mighty things for Him. Let's not, the challenge this evening is don't settle for just what everyone is settling for. Got a nice wife, nice kids, nice money, nice this. It's okay, but there's more. We can do more for God than with God. For our community, for our church. We can bring more people to the light of the gospel. We can do more for the kingdom. We can impact more lives. We shouldn't just like Gideon. Ask of the things that have happened in time past. And settle just to bake with for our family. And sometimes all you have to do to challenge your mind is to read the biographies of men. And women that God has used to move things. Realize that some of them didn't even have the opportunity that you had. So five, six questions as you ask yourself. Number one, what are your fears for fulfilling purpose? What, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Gideon was afraid of the Midianites. What are you afraid of? You know, some of us are afraid of our friends. We cannot fulfill purpose because of what our friends will say. So we can't stand for what is right. We can't stand for truth. We can't stand for the gospel. Some of us are afraid of our families. This is what God is putting in my heart. This is what I sense God wants me to do. But if I take this step, what will my parents say? I remember when the Lord began to deal with me about full-time ministry. Even though my dad was a pastor, he wasn't 100% in support for me to go into full-time ministry. He wanted me to work. 
But I knew that God was calling me into ministry. And what was my greatest fear coming into ministry was that, well, maybe I'm going to be poor, something like that. And I had to confront that fear. How did I confront that fear? I told myself, well, if I'm going to serve God and do ministry, and I know that's what God has called me to do, I don't care if I ever get rich in this world. I just want to fulfill purpose. And I took away all the, I took away all the, what's that now? All the, the whole goals of have a house here, do this, do this. I, I just flung those things out. But you know what? After working with God for 12 years, God has blessed me. But I had to deal with that fear. Some of you, is the fear of what to eat, what to drink, what to wear. God has put purpose and insight and vision in your heart, but you cannot pursue it because you're scared. Scared of what your closest friend will say. Scared of what... I can't tell you how many friends I lost getting into full-time ministry. Because I didn't go into full-time ministry because I was looking for a job. I knew this was what God has called me to do. And looking back at my life in the last 12 years, hundreds and thousands of young people and messages that have blessed life, homes that have been restored, people that have been healed of all kinds of sicknesses and diseases, lives that have come into redirection. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But I had to confront my fears. I had to walk away from certain people. I had to walk walk away from some people and join some other people. It wasn't the most convenient decision. We cannot make impact seeking to please everyone. We cannot make impact seeking to be emotional about life. Deciding our lives the way everyone wants to. Everybody must not be happy with you. You've got to decide. Do you want the applause of people or you want to fulfill purpose? You have to make up your mind. Because we cannot all be at this level of mediocrity. There's more. There's more. We need to see more miracles. We need to see more people come to the church. We need to see more people get healed. We need to see more things. And just stretch for that higher thing. Number two, what is keeping you in a survival mode? What is keeping you in a survival mode? What is that that is keeping you? That's why when I was getting married, I, had, I mean, myself and my wife, we sat down, we talked about it. Listen, we're going full time. We're going to do this work. We don't know where we're going to... <laughs> we don't know where we, we, we're going to end up in terms of location or places. Or we, we, just, we just gave it up to God. I mean, until the Lord sent us here and... I never knew what NLNG was. I was never interested in the oil and gas sector. I was not that person. I was always interested in academics, lecturing and everything. So, I never knew they had NLNG somewhere or something. And then when the Lord brought us here, and we made that move, we had to accept the adjustment of culture, adjustment of living amongst people. I've never done any stuff in River State. I always grew, grew up in Delta. I always lived in worry. Always, that, was my, that was everything about my life. Primary school was Delta State. Secondary school, Delta State. University, Delta State. And I wasn't feeling bad about it. I was just fine. But God had to rattle those foundations. That's why we're where we are today. If I was living in the comfort of where I just... If I was living... If I was just living a comfortable life, we will not have this ministry here today. And people, I mean, people walk into this ministry today and see how the Lord has blessed us. It did not come because I was looking for a comfortable life. It 
came on the altars of sacrifice. Personal dreams, personal ambitions. It came right on the altar of sacrifice. Our lives cannot bless people if we're not willing to sacrifice certain levels of comfort. I mean, literally every message we preach in this church today reaches literally at least a million people. I mean, the church I went to preach in Asabai was because they watched us on TV. They watched myself and sister Mary on TV. You know, and she's going to be there in May to preach. And you know what? We're on television because somebody's giving up something. And for those of you who don't know, it's not the ministry that pays our television bills. It's individuals, not the church. I don't take funds I don't take funds from this church. To, for, we're not on TV because the church is paying our TV bills. No. We're on TV because individuals are paying it. So don't think we're using offering and tithes for TV. No. Absolutely no. What am I trying to say about that? It is because, of course, a time will come when the church will pay for the TV bills. But it is because someone else gave up something. That's why we can reach more people. What am I trying to say? We cannot talk about impact without giving up something. Someone gives up a portion of money they can use for themselves and they put the minister on radio. That's, that's what it is. You cannot rise to the fullness of your potential if you still want to live just for yourself. If all your decisions are based on yourself. And that's what happened to David. David looked at Goliath and said, Why is this man insulting the God of Israel? He took it. He, he didn't just take it as a personal insult. He saw that it was against the whole nation. And God gave it to him. The same thing with Nehemiah. Nehemiah, when they told him that where my, where, where my uh, people are buried is in ruins, the Bible says he was sad. And Nehemiah had personal comfort. He was walking in the king's palace. He had a good job. But something greater was a burden in his heart. When we walk the streets of our community. I know some of you don't have a problem with drinking. But we walk the streets of our community. And the most thriving business on this island that we're living in right now is a beer parlor. Babin saloons are cut down for beer parlors. Betting shops all over. What grips your heart? Because for everybody who goes there and spends time drinking, is somebody putting money somewhere that's not putting in his family. Somebody who is going to walk out from there and make disoriented decisions. Somebody who is going to walk out from there and probably end up not sleeping with his wife at home and going somewhere else. It looks like fun. Unfortunately, it's so normalized that we even feel bad that we are missing out of form because we're Christians. Let's talk of other vices. And you know the good thing about this? All our children have been raised up in this world. Not only my son, not only my daughter. Yours. And the one you are to give birth to. We're in the world together. You're not immune from it. We're not immune from the dangers of the world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're not immune from it. Disney World just released the first gay character. Cartoon. That's the reality of our world. 
There must be more. Absolutely, saints of God, there must be something we can do about all these things. We can't fold our hands and watch evil run riot. There must be something. There must be something we can do about changing our world. Number three, is there capacity in you to solve national, community, or societal problems? Is it in you that there are certain dimensions of problems the Lord is empowering you to solve that you need to rise up to? This thing is just beyond food. And I want to challenge people that are married, about to get married, want to get married, are married. Marriage is a good thing. But I think, I absolutely think, that we have almost made it a bus stop in people's life. Especially for ladies. I mean, you, you, you see ladies with whole potential, capacity, and everything. And they just get married and it's almost like they hit a brick wall. There's nothing more else they can do. They're not available for service. They're not available to do anything. They can't function well in any department anymore because they have to be dead. I mean, it's just... It's almost like this is what we wanted and we have now and it's okay. I think there should be more to life. Describing Deborah, she was called the prophetess, the wife of Lapidot. She led a whole army. She was a wife and a prophetess. Is this all you can be for God? If God were to look for a deliverer today, will he come find you a heart willing to do something? Number four, there is a greater purpose of God concerning you. There is a greater purpose. I don't care where you are right now. There is a greater purpose. You know, in the last 12 years, I've spent absolutely my life doing nothing but preaching the gospel and helping people get the truth of God's word. And it's, it's you know, it will shock you that God will still ask someone like me, are you living the fullness of your potential? I mean, I mean some of you know me. I like I travel on the weekend, do the role, do the preaching. I'm preaching in multiple services. And God is like, is this all you can do? Is this all? Can still be more. Can still be more. And you know why I find it interesting that God is asking that question? Because there are very few people really available for the purposes of God. There are very few people. You see, has God ever spoken to you about this island? Like there's something we can do about something, about an issue? Or all God speaks to you is that you will eat the good of the land. Is that all you hear? Eating the good of the land, eating the good of the land, eating the good of the land. Or is there something? So is there more capacity on your inside? Number five, what is taking your time? What is taking your time? What are you spending your time doing? What's consuming your 24 hours? Why are you so busy and you don't have time for God's purpose? 
And I want every one of us here tonight to write that question down. Go back home. Think about it and answer it. What takes my time? Review the last one week of your life and ask yourself that question. What's taking my time? Because whatever is taking your time is competing with your purpose. What's taking your time? Ask yourself that question. Everybody write that question down. What is taking my time? And write it down. What takes my time? Because you know what? If we don't have time, God cannot send us on an errand. Are you, are you, are you following what I'm saying tonight? What's taking my time? What am I pouring my, my life into? What is actually taking my time? Even as a minister of the gospel, I have to reevaluate it. I'm like, listen, I cannot give 70% of my time to administration. I've got to give it to prayer and to the word. Remember what the apostle says? Come on. How many of you remember what the apostle says? Acts chapter 6. He says, listen, we're going to put men over administration so we can give our time to word and prayer. That means even as a minister, if you are more administrative than you're more giving of yourself to word and prayer, something is wrong. So what's taking your time? Look at your life, right? I, I, I didn't put up my board today, but look at your life, right? Look at your whole life in a circle. You draw a circle. If your life is in a circle. Let's look at this ministry. Number one, I'm going to use this because I'm speaking to you as your pastor. This is one church that you don't have many programs. So, in a whole year, we might have just maybe only four programs. And even if we have four programs, maximum our programs are like one hour, 30 minutes. So let's say even as a church, if we want to do programs in a whole year, we might not even spend up to 10 hours in each of our programs, maybe throughout the whole year. In a week, we've got just two meetings, two hours on Sunday and one hour midweek. So technically, what you give to this local church is three hours of your time in a week. Just three hours. Some of you don't even have that to give. You give only two hours on Sunday. Then, look at the circle of your life. How much time do you give to prayer? How much time do you give to the Word? We don't even talk about evangelism right now. That one is no-no. Some of you have never evangelized in the last 10 years. Even if we say, go and evangelize now, you don't even know how to start. So let's take that out. We're not talking about any spiritual activity. We're talking about the basics of just praying and studying the Word. If you draw that circle... And take out three hours in a week. You know, draw a circle for a week, right? Take out three hours in a week that you come to church if you are a consistent person who attends service. Take out the number of hours that you pray and you study the word. You will realize by the time you are done with the circle that what contributes to your spiritual life is very minute. Then ask yourself, where do you spend the rest of the time? Take out your your job, your, your basic job. Those of you who have jobs. 9 to 5, wherever time you go to work. And ask yourself, what takes your time? Because we cannot fulfill purpose if we spend less time on spiritual things. We cannot fulfill godly purpose if we spend less time on spiritual things. But I believe that God wants us to be more. I believe that God wants us to be more spiritual. So what takes my time? What takes my energy? What's sticking? My concentration. What am I focused on? What is my mind zeroed on? Am I zeroed on the deliverance of the nation? Or am I zeroing in on just how to survive? It's easy to kick into the survival mode. 
Lastly, what excuses have you accepted to remain where you are? You know what Gideon said? He said, I'm the least in my father's house. So two things I want you to do when you go back home tonight. Not tomorrow, tonight. When you go back home tonight. Not tomorrow, do it tonight. Ask yourself, what is taking my time? Write it down. Ask yourself the second question. What am I... Um, do the graph I told you about your spiritual life. Your spiritual life. How many minutes do you pray in a day, really? And you know, because we've come to the points where we're just saying, you know what, God answers me, I can pray anytime. And, and, and we've developed a life that doesn't have order and discipline. So we don't even have prayer time. We can pray in the bathroom, we can pray in the bus, we can pray. And, and, and you know what? You think God is going to trust us with eternal purposes if we don't have time to pray? <laughs> We're joking. No, God will not. God will not. God will not. Then look at how much time you spend on the Word. We don't even want to talk about finances because that's another ball game entirely. But how much of your resources are even committed to the kingdom? Check in the last one year. How much have you given to the propagation of the gospel? Do you realize that if we actually believe that the gospel is solution to the world's problem, we'll do more for the gospel. We'll get more people involved. And, and, and putting all these challenges on the table, what is the Lord speaking to us about tonight? Let's get back to basics. Get back to basics. Get back to basics. There's more, there's more, there's more you can do for God. You can pray more. You can pray more. You can pray more. You can pray more. You can study more. And, and you know, just thinking about this, one of the things that came to my mind was, was the hunger. You know what I mean if you have that? But it came to my mind strongly. The, the hunger we had in our university days. Just the hunger for God. Just going after tapes and just going after messages. Just going after messages. Just listening. Just listening. And looking back at our lives today, we discovered that we're where we, we are today. Really, and, and, and if you're really honest, when the Lord begins to set you, you realize that you're where you are today, not just because of what you're doing today, but because of spiritual sacrifices you've made way back. Just those times of prayer. Just times of just praying and spending time before the Lord and receiving the wisdom of God and just giving sacrificially, just going out for soul winning, just being passionate about Jesus. Don't let anything happen to your hunger for God. Don't let success dampen it. Are you following what I'm saying? Don't let, don't let any form of prosperity or lack affect it. Keep your hunger level high. Keep your hunger level high. You realize that we're already in the third month of this year. And we ask ourselves, even in the month of March, is this the best we can do with our own lives? I don't even want to talk about, this is spiritual life now, I don't even want to talk about our mental capacity. How have you stretched your brain in the last three months? Realize that there are people who have gotten into this year and up till this month, they have not completed one book. You can't let your life slide. This is life. This is it. Saints, this is it. 
And if we want to do a bit of motivational speaking, the people who you, who inspire you, they are humans like you. But they decided to do the right things with their life. You know, sometimes pastors walk into my office and they just, ah, they're just looking at the books. Like, ah, hey, ah, hey, they try to read. Oh, hey, God give you grace to read. Who has, God has not given anybody grace to read. We chose to read. There's no grace for it. That's the truth. Let me challenge you this. If you put your phone off one hour before you go to bed every night, you will literally have 31 hours to read in a month. Just try it. You go to bed by 11, put your phone off by 10. And you know, as God was putting this into my, my heart, one of the things that came very strong to my mind is that I actually think, you know, <laughs> Napoleon said that if a man conquers himself, he can conquer his city. Translated to the 21st century, if a man can conquer his phone, he will conquer his city. All of us, except very few of us, are massive addicts to our phone. And we have to solve that problem. We have to solve it. Are you following what I'm saying? We have to solve it. And you know one of the reasons why we are addicts to our phones? Because we don't want people to feel bad that they called us and we didn't respond. You know, in this part of the world, it can be the foundation for an everlasting quarrel. I called you three times. You did not pick. No, it can be. And you know that if we are not free from that thing, if we are not free from it, we might not have the discipline to shut down for purpose. Saints, even for those in my age bracket, we're not getting younger in that sense. We, we've got generations now, right? Like, like we're, reaching, we're reaching teenagers who already have teenagers. And for those of you who are parents, it's amazing right now how quickly our children are just getting into puberty. Children get into puberty 15, 16, 17, 18. Right now, 10-year-olds, you have to start looking for bra to buy for them. And you're wondering, where are all these things coming from? The whole world is just going, like, I don't even understand anymore. Like, you, you, you have a baby in your house, and you're already having to lecture the baby on puberty. You're like, you are just overcoming yours, and then your child is already has this. And it's just amazing how radically everything in the world is just changing so fast. We cannot sit and watch life go by. There'll be no excuse. Literally every one of us seated here, there's no excuse for failure. Doesn't matter if you lost your father, if you lost your mother, if you lost whatever you lost. There's hope for you. If you take the message tonight and make up your mind that you're going to be different. Give yourself the next one year. Give yourself the next two years. Give yourself the next five years. It's amazing when we came to Bonnie Island. It just looked like yesterday. We spent almost six, seven years here. And you know what? We plug in another three years. And you ask us, how long have you been in Bonnie? It's like ten years. I'm telling myself, is this all I can do in seven years? Is this it? Oh, I can do more. I can do more. And I tell you, I mean, God is, you know what Barack Copeland says? He says, God gets on me, I get on you. That's the name of the game. You know, this old message I'm preaching to you right now are the conversations I'm having with God. Because I'm your pastor, God gets on me, I get on you. The idea is this. 
we all have to do something to shake up the city. God's light can burn in this city more than it is right now. If we've done this in seven years, in the next three years of this ministry, you know, <laughs> I was telling the outreach team, that by the end of this, this um, by the end of this year, right, the Lord's given us instruction on what to do. But one of the things I want us to do, right, as a church, we will, we will not be in this city and people will say they don't know us. If they are not coming, it's a different ball game. But man, we will get ready to flood this city with publicity materials that nobody will deny our existence. Are you hearing? That you will just know that there is a church there. And one of the things we're doing, like we're putting like 50 to 60,000 handbills in this city. We can do more. You understand that? Because this city is ours for the taking. It's ours for the taking. We can, you know we can have good church here, good worship, good service, and then we have people dying right in the next side of the street. And God is challenging us. God is challenging us. Because we're going to be going to two services soon. Two full services. You know what? Let's get to work. There's more we can do. Praise the name of the Lord. God is counting on us. Let's be on our feet. We're going to pray for five minutes. I want you to pray. Don't, don't uh, look around. Just pray. Pray. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with